life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are wonderful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Anthony DiClemente, and welcome to another episode of our Biohacking Expert Interview Series, where it's my job to discover and deconstruct the most effective strategies to rapidly upgrade our physical and mental performance. I sit down with world-class experts, whether they're doctors, scientists, trainers, athletes, engineers, entertainers, biohackers, or otherwise. I give you the latest research, the products, the routines, the habits, the best resources, etc., that you can use. At least that's the objective. Our mission is to empower each other with uncommon, evidence-based strategies for living happier, looking healthier, and feeling better. And this episode was a massive success because the guest, Mark Sisson, blew away my expectations. And I already expected him to be incredible, which, of course, he was. Mark Sisson is one of the leading voices of the exploding evolutionary health movement, the author of seven best-selling books, of which I own and have read at least four. He has written since 2006 at MarksDailyApple.com, which he has grown into one of the highest-ranking health and fitness resources on the internet, with over 3 million unique visitors each month. Mark is the only 62-year-old I know with six-pack abs. He's also a former world-class endurance athlete with a two-hour and 18-minute marathon, which I believe equates to around a five-minute and 16-second average mile pace over those 26.2 miles. And if that wasn't enough, he also has a fourth-place finish in the Hawaii Ironman World Triathlon Championships. His writing challenges industry dogma and encourages us to rethink many of our assumed truths pertaining to health and fitness. His books include The Primal Blueprint, The 21-Day Transformation, The Primal Connection, and his most recent release, which I just read and really enjoyed, Primal Endurance. He's done all sorts of amazing things. In this interview, we get into a lot of details Mark's never disclosed or shared before. We cover a ton, and we had a blast. His favorite workouts, his morning routine, dietary habits, what he does to keep his brain young, how he uses cold thermogenesis, and it goes on and on. We really had a great time. I hope that you also have a great time listening to it. During the interview, we did experience some slight connectivity issues, but there was so much good stuff in the interview, we still had to share it with you guys. So if you're willing to tolerate the occasional missing word and some suboptimal audio quality, I still think that you'll really enjoy today's interview and have a lot of valuable takeaways. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with none other than Mark Sisson. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. All right, so maybe you've got a pretty interesting story. If you can start out, how'd you go from placing fourth in the 1982 World Triathlon Games to writing a case against cardio part 27 just last year? Yeah, well, well same story because I, I, the early part of my career was uh, my attempts to become a world-class endurance athlete. It was all sort of predicated on my wanting to be as healthy and fit as I could be, and I uh, discovered in the 60s that 
that uh, <clears throat> cardio experiences were the, the way to health nirvana, that the more time you did aerobic activities, the uh, healthier you'd become, perhaps the longer you'd live. Uh, getting into money, uh, started a lot of uh, carbohydrates to fuel that brain and became pretty good. I mean, I, I was a decent runner and finished fifth championships in the marathon in 1980 then gravitated into triathlon but I started to fall apart you know while I was fat half fit you know the operative word being fit meaning you could race fast um, I was not healthy I wasn't I wasn't fit as a as a human being I was falling apart on the inside with arthritis and tendonitis and IBS and uh, chronic coughs and heartburn and all kinds of stuff that you know, it just didn't seem right. So um, I shifted my focus away from endurance pursuits to uh, how could I be as the strong, fit, lean, happy person I wanted to be with the least amount of pain suffering. Uh, that led me down on a long path of investigating ways which I could <clears throat> achieve these, these outcomes um, with ease and grace and comfort and joy and pleasure and contentment. And that became my blueprint, which is, you know, you turn off, off that, manifest you, rebuild you as a strong person, as a lean person, as opposed to an overweight, uh, unhealthy, moody, depressed person. And it's all sort of about discovering these hidden genetic switches, which is my original hack, <clears throat> was sort of how do I, how do I get these um, <clears throat> genes to turn on or off? So in the process, I started writing about how devastating uh, cardio activity is for the average human, and, and not just on the joints, but in some cases, the heart starts to to uh, get negatively impacted by, by by that amount of intense work over, over a long a period of time. So I coined this phrase, chronic cardio, and start to cry uh, and and take back all the things that I've done about and said about training over the years. Instead, look, let's just back off and don't do much. Of this high-end heart rate training and and uh, you know enjoy life and play more. So I, I went to the other end of the spectrum and I started to talk about how how bad <clears throat> chronic cardio was. And then about four or five years ago, I said, well, you know, maybe there's a way in the middle. There's a place in the middle where you can you can you can put on your bucket list. Yeah, I want to run a marathon. I want to race in triathlons. I want to, but I want to do it humanely. I want to do it in a way that's uh, gentle on my body, that doesn't uh, cause the deterioration of the joints, that doesn't cause my muscles to tear themselves up to provide glucose, that doesn't, um, leave, that doesn't leave me open to illness and infection or injury. And lo and behold, the, tech, you know, the paleo primal lifestyle past 10 years has led down this path where we can now prescribe an exercise regimen that enhances health, that improves fitness, that increases longevity, and does literally all the things that we want and allows you to race in these races. So that sort of began this book uh, that I just put out a month ago called Primal Endurance. Very cool. And in Primal Endurance, how do you recommend the average person structures their training over, I, I'm sure it depends on goals. But for, let's say, energy and longevity, how would you recommend the average person structures their training? Well, so loosely, the structure is we want to spend as much time as possible doing very low-level aerobic activity. So it's 
the chronic cardio zone was always like between 70, 75% up to 85, 90% of your heart rate, which is where a lot of endurance athletes spend most of their training time. And it's a, it's a zone we call the black hole. It's, a, it's an area where you're just practicing to hurt. You know, you're not really training your body to the edge and, and managing, and managing carbohydrate intake. And that's what we say. That's just the wrong way to do it. What you want to do is become more efficient at burning fats and you want to become more efficient at a higher and higher and higher level of, of cardiac output and, and, and muscular output and power. So the more fat you can burn, the less carbohydrate you need to take in, the less glycogen that you burn, the more glucose is available for the brain. It requires initially a lot of time spent at, like it almost would for most current is laughably slow pace. Because we find that, and it's typically 180 minus your age, to, to get to the point where you are burning mostly fat and you're not wandering into that into that glycogen and sugar burning zone, you're trying to become efficient at burning fat. And over time, maintaining the same heart rate, you become faster and faster and more and more efficient if, as long as you maintain the heart rate. So that's sort of the base building phase. Of course, a lot of it depends on your diet and, and your manipulation of carbohydrate intake in terms of your diet. So you force your body to burn more fat. We talk about that a lot in the book. So loosely, this the structure, as you say, is to spend a lot of time in that low-end aerobic zone to get good, to get efficient at burning fat, and then to start to layer on the other component parts, the, the interval training, uh, the work in the gym where we're working on your ability to have long periods of time. Because one of the things that happens in, a, in an endurance contest is you never really cross the finish line out of breath if you're doing an endurance contest. Or something happens where you're, you've long since been able to keep up aerobically, but because the muscles have lost their power, and as a result of losing their power, you, you, your form breaks down. And when form breaks down, you know all hell breaks loose because you can't. You're, you're taking, in, you're needing more oxygen just to do the same less efficient work. So we work on all, all parts to get you to where you're great at burning fat. You're much more physically. Uh, you're stronger. You've got a, you've got a, a much more um, robust engine that allows you to sustain power over longer periods of time and therefore sustain form and, and therefore sustain the pace that you intend to race at. That makes sense. So you'd mentioned uh, in terms of heart rate, 180 minus your age, which is sort of in line with, with Stu Middleman and like the slow burn uh, uh, approach. You are a supporter of that heart rate, which for a lot of people is I mean, it does depend on their age, but that can be in the 60 to up to 75% of their max heart rate. You yeah. feel that's somewhat safe, and as long yeah. as they're not inflamed and working with poor biomechanics, can allow them to get the cardiovascular benefits without hurting themselves? Yes, exactly. And it, it does uh, – so then one of the things we look at is, well, okay, doing the actual activity, let's say you're training for a triathlon, you do need to cycle, you do need to swim, you do need to run – um, or training for a marathon, you do need to run, but, but other activities also will contribute to that efficiency. So you can go for hikes. And the fact that you're not even running, but you're hiking hard or you're climbing hills or whatever, uh, you're maintaining that is your ability to burn fat until such time as you are ready to graduate into the higher end stuff like tempo training and, and interval training and, and, uh, and maintaining race pace. But even then, you know, we say that you're going to get more benefit from doing, 
like when you do intervals, you're going to get more benefit from going all out for 10 to 30 seconds than you are from doing two minute uh, drills where you're doing, you know, race pace for two minutes or just, just above race pace for two minutes that we're suggesting that the, it's just, we sort of say in general, make your slow work slower and longer and make your fast work faster and shorter. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Going back to your story about when you were when you were training and, and you were having a lot of success in these endurance competitions, but your body was breaking down. I think a lot of people can identify with that, and, and that's part of the uh, belief that cardio is bad, running is bad. What was your diet like at the time? You know, it was a standard diet of the a thousand grams carbs a day. Um, no thousand. Of, yeah, lots of bread and as much whole grain bread as I could choke down, I suppose, and. But it was, you know, it was waffles and pancakes and bread with sandwiches and potatoes and pasta. Sounds uh, delicious. Cereal and <laughs> all other beige glop, you know, that was washed out with beer because beer was sort of the one of the first uh, performance-enhancing drinks that uh, that uh, that came on the market because of its carb content. Uh, days every runner was a beer drinker. You know, I avoided fats. And uh, so I was living the sort of that again. Guys like Robert Haas, uh, you know, who wrote a book Eat to Win, were suggesting that it was all based on complex carbohydrates and and, and healthy carbohydrates. He wasn't advocating beer, but he's advocating a high carb diet. So a lot of us followed that. Followed that, and you know, if, when you're an elite athlete and you're running 100 miles a week, or you're cycling 250 plus, and you're and you're swimming, you know, 30,000 yards plus per week. You do burn off those calories, so you don't get fat. Um, you might get, but you but you get I think wickedly inflamed because that's a lot of sugar to put through your body, and that that glucose does not burn as efficiently as a good fat burning engine that we create in the primal uh, endurance program. So in those days, I was inflamed all the time. I always had itises. You know, I had I had tendonitis, I had a bursitis, arthritis. You know, all sorts of um, issues that were, in retrospect, directly related to my diet and, and partly related to the amount of muscle I was putting in, mostly just exactly the diet. That makes sense. When you were talking about high-intensity training and it being better to go all out for 10 to 30 seconds, are you an advocate that the rest periods are important and something people should focus on or more so – uh, to focus on the work periods and then just gradually adjust the rest periods as your as your conditioning improves. Yeah, uh, it's a combination of the two. Obviously, it's, it's the work that causes the 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 short term insult to either the muscle or the or the or the enzyme system that's being involved. But it's the rest that allows you to um, have enough time to recover to be able to repeat the performance again. So initially, if we're doing say, these high-intensity intervals, and you've worked up and you've become strong enough that you're not going to hurt yourself doing these, uh, the rest could be, you know, a few minutes in between intervals, as long as you're going all out when you're doing them. And over time, as your efficiency improves and your recovery improves, can you repeat that performance with with less and less rest? So it started out as being, say, a 20-second all-out sprint on a treadmill at – uh, five that, and you took a two-minute rest, eventually it becomes a 45-second rest, and you can still repeat the performance. But the output to max itself out over that short period of time, because that's where the real gains are going to come. And then those gains apply 
to your eventual ability to sustain a faster race pace over 10K. Like my favorite workout when I was a marathoner was I'd go track and I would run 16 half miles, okay? I'd run 16 half, half four to 228 with a walk jaw in between, a walk jaw full, full loop of 400 in between. It was a devil's out, and I swear I left some of my best races on the track, on the training track, because I was so exhausting myself and beating myself up. And I could have achieved the same the same fitness level had I been much more um, smart and methodical about my choice of interval training and allowing myself more rest and maybe doing, again, because it was like a regular weekly workout. I was like, I, I, I remember leaving the track completely exhausted every week thinking, wow, this is the greatest workout I've ever done and not and not realizing I just left uh, you know a 214 marathon performance in sweat on the track because I'll never I won't recover from this for a month you know <laughs> yeah. but I, you know the whole thing of training the whole point of training is you're building you're putting together this sort of component um, uh, uh, synergistic operative systems that you're going to unleash in one race. So you don't want to go out and beat yourself up every single day. Why, why would anyone want to do that? Although there are people who do. I see him in the jail time. Um, the basic blueprint is how can I train efficiently, effectively, with less training time and not beat myself up and generate a healthy body, not a beat-up body, not, a, not, and not compromise my immune system and spend more time with my family and be more productive at work and have all these things come together and be faster when I get to a race. Now, when I get to the race, I'm going to have to dig deep, but I will have built all of the component parts that allows me to get to the starting line. You know, an example I would give you is like, you know, look at the Kung Bushmen, and they're, they're out hunting, you know, uh, the, the beast on the, on the plains, uh, the kudu, and they're running and tracking. You've probably seen the videos, and they're, sometimes they're cutting the tangent, sometimes they're sprinting, and sometimes they're walking, sometimes they're and they're covering seven or eight miles in the dirt heat uh, with little or no water. How do they do that? Well, they don't train for that every day. Their life is training for that. They're just fit enough to be able to do that when the hunt comes. They couldn't do it every day, but and they wouldn't want to do it every day, but once a week, once every 10 days, if they go out on a, on a new hunt, that's what they do, and they're prepared for it based on all the component parts that their life at home um, encompasses, whether it's uh, dragging back camp, whether it's just spending a lot of time uh, standing around because they don't have chairs and sofas to sit on, whether it's squatting by fireplace, whether it's, you know what I mean? It's all these things. Their life, they're prepared to go engage in this endurance contest against the beast. So books like Born to Run, and we're, we're talking about cultures like the, the Tarahumara that, that are running these extensive distances and they ex exhibit fairly good biomarkers of health. Is that attributed to the, their lifestyle being more in touch with a primitive lifestyle, a primal lifestyle, and contrasting that with where most Americans are today? Yeah, I think the Tarahumar are, are very interesting people. I think they're an anomaly in, in pretty much all the cultures of the world because they, they're, they're drawn to run. For whatever reason, it's the it's the 
You know, they were driven into the Copper Canyons um, centuries ago by oppressive Spaniards. Their diet is is a, is very much carbohydrate-based, which allows them, sort of unnaturally allows them to fuel, to refill glycogen stores so they can burn sugar every day and go out and, and run more. It defies basic uh, hunter-gatherer evolution because evolution really didn't contemplate the human body running a lot of miles every day. Evolution says, look, your only job is to survive long enough to pass your genetic material along to the next generation. And the way you survive is by having to food. So provided you can get food enough to survive, you don't have to unnecessarily go burn off all that food energy that you just spend all this time trying to gather. It just it, it, It's counterintuitive to evolution to be running through the canyons um, you know, day in and day out as, as a means of, of self-expression, as a means of communication, as a means of visiting other people. The fact that, that they can do it, it's great. They suffer cardiovascular issues. They have, they have other issues. You know, it's just, again, it's a nice little footnote in a study, but I don't think that it's, that they're an exemplary, you know, tribe, uh, of individuals that the rest of the world should emulate. <laughs> right, absolutely. What does the first 60 to 90 minutes of your day look like? Um, I, I read the paper to keep up. I'm old, I'm old school. I'm analog when it comes to my news gathering. So uh, I, I read uh, LA Times and uh, Wall Street Journal. I do all the puzzles in the LA Times. Usually takes less than a half an hour, but uh, my record is uh, 17 minutes and 50 seconds to do the jumble, two Sudokus, two can cans, and the crossword. Yeah, I try to keep my my mind as sharp as I can. Uh, then I, I either I hit some emails and, and answer some you know overnight inquiries with my businesses. I'm ready to break and either go to the gym or go for a paddle or go for a hike. And that's what my so my 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 day almost begins uh, from a from a um, a meditative and uh, a creative perspective. On the on the paddleboard or on a hike or something, when I'm thinking about what I'm going to write about, or you know, that I start to, to put all my thoughts together. That's very uh, a very creative time for me. It's always I typically paddle alone and I typically hike alone, and uh, and so that would get me to the mid morning. Very cool. If we can, I thought it'd be fun for us to go through the, some of the different foundational aspects that um, that we talk about in, in the Biohackers Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus, and maybe just get your thoughts on what if if someone listening was to do just one thing in each category that you feel yeah. would have the biggest impact on their energy and focus, what your recommendation would be, and um, and if if there are resources that you've created like uh, Primal Endurance and things like that that would that would give people additional places to look for more information, please uh, feel free to mention those as well. Sure. All right. Uh, nutrition. What's what's the one thing? Uh, the one thing is eliminate sugars. Okay. Movement. Find as many ways to move throughout the day as you possibly can, and do it as do it as often as you can. Right. Have you have you played around with any of like the MoveNet or the Edo Portal movement patterns and any of, any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, um, I think Erwan is uh, you know is onto something really great and and fun. So I've done some of his his work. Um, I'm snowboarding. I'm doing I'm doing things that causing me to exert energy and to and use muscles, but doing so in a way that I'm not thinking about oh my god when's it going to be over. Um, I'm typically thinking oh dang it's going to be over in 20 minutes. I wish it was lasting forever. 
you know, we play uh, two hours of Frisbee on Sunday of, of Ultimate. It's a pretty spirited game. Uh, lots of testosterone in the air with uh, argued calls and things like that. But we'll sometimes play a total of 45 points. Because I was a runner my whole life, and it was always just about, you know, I, I had no side-to-side ability. I couldn't play tennis because I'd hurt my hip flexors or whatever just because I was so used to running. Now with, with Ultimate, it's you're jumping and running and you're going crazy dives and all kinds of stuff. So that puts me through as many playing ranges of motion as I could possibly get. But, you know, there's yoga, there's there's Tai Chi. I mean, you know, tai, people look at Tai Chi or Qigong and go, ah, it's a little, a little slow for me. Well, no, it's that the whole point is you are literally going through all these ranges and planes, and that's really what it's about. It's not about burning calories. It's just about the movement itself. So um, this is what I tell people. You know, like I have a, I have a stand-up desk here. Um, yeah, let's take a look at this. You know, it's like I'm, le- I'm on a leaning post right now, but this is uh, that's my stand-up desk, and you know, I so I'll stand or uh, or lean. You know, I can stand up now. I'm standing, but but you know, I try to I try to not sit at all during the daytime because I think even standing contributes to your fitness. Uh, versus, you know, sitting at a desk all day and having your hip flexors at a, at a 90 degree or less, uh, angle. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, where's your favorite place you've ever snowboarded? A couple of years ago, I took my son, uh, helicopter snowboarding in the, um, Caribou and Monashee Mountains at, uh, Michael Wigley up in, uh, Northern British Columbia. And, uh, we did a week where it was ideal conditions, so it was a week down off, uh, down through trees and off glaciers, two feet of powder every single day. Oh. It was, uh, and it was a great, a great father-son experience. Um, I just, it was the problem. Go there again, I'll never be able to recreate that experience. Yeah, yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of like uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance yeah. <laughs> on snowboards. <laughs> My son was 17 at the time, and, and we went with my friend Tony Horton, you know, of the P90X. Yeah, yeah. And Tony's a extreme skier, so so he, he and my son started having a contest to see who, who could go off jumps the most. And, <laughs> and and for anyone listening, you're you're 58 years old, correct? 58 I'm 62. Years old. 62. Yeah, I'm 62 now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Wow. So you're you're playing ultimate frisbee two hours every day. You're working out how many five, six, seven days a week? Some yeah, so I play ultimate once a week. Just, okay. you know, yeah, ultimate is is my. I, I I couldn't play more than once a week. All day Monday, I'm I'm walking around like like a ninety year old man, uh, uh, trying to recover from that. But uh, yeah, and then I I'll, I'll, like I say, if the weather's good, I'll paddle once or twice a week. I'll hike once or twice a week. I do ride uh, a stationary bike at the gym to get some interval training in. Um, and um, then I lift. You know, I lift. I do two sort of full body, full upper body um, lifting routines uh, a week. I try to have four days separated because I find that any less than four days, when you do it right, and you're my age, you can't recover in time. If you've really done, if you've gone hard, you can't recover within two days to go repeat the performance or, or do anything similar in that in that regard. When you're lifting, do you, <clears throat> do you have like an upper threshold where – Okay, I'm lifting enough in this in this movement. I don't need to go above a 225 squat or something like that. Where oh you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm very cognizant of the reason I lift is to avoid getting injured in when I play. Uh, that's the main reason I lift is I just want to keep my muscles uh, strong and pliable so that when I apply them to, 
frisbee game or paddling or snowboarding or whatever, I don't get injured. So I don't want to get injured in the gym either. So I have these, I'm very cognizant of like, even though I could do, say, four more, I incur some shoulder issues in doing four more. So I'll, I'll, I know where the line is. I hate to use the word maintenance, but I go, I go to the gym and I do this work just, again, to, to maintain pliability. You know, I'm, I certainly want to look look fit and be fit, but um, but a lot of it is, is sort of based on that intuitive sense that I try to drill into all my other my readers and, and followers and people who read my books. Is I want you to develop that ability to understand exactly where the line is and go right up to it, but not cross it and not engage in something that was foolish. I mean, uh, I set my PR on the bench when I was 52 years old, wow. and um, partly because when I was a marathoner, I had you know I was I weighed 138 to 142. When I set my PR on the bench, I weighed 164 or something like that. And um, and I remember and and so I didn't have the the ability to set a PR until I was in my later years, and I ceased running altogether. So because I don't run distance anymore, I don't carve my body up, I don't chew my body up, I don't ca- ca- cannibalize my muscle tissue like I did every single day of my life when I was an endurance athlete. So I shifted from being an endurance athlete to being more of a, a glycolytic power athlete. So I'm fully aware that while I could do these things, discretion is the better part of valor, and and it, it's not worth doing it. It's like I'll, I'll go up against some 22-year-old kid, but I but when it comes to the jump and, the, and a dive, you know, that's why I say, you know, go for it, man. You get it because I'm not going to dive and I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump. I mean, I'll jump. I can jump pretty well, but I, but I won't jump into the air and, and collide with some, you know, 180 pound former football wide receiver, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely diminishing returns with some of that stuff. Um, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I decided a couple years ago, I was, or maybe it was like a year or two years ago, I wanted to do 30 pull ups. And in doing it and working my way up there, I finally got to 30 pull ups. And then the tendonitis on the inside of my elbow was so bad, I couldn't do it. You got it? Yeah. Right here, man. I know. <laughs> it was it was about three months before I could even do a pull-up again. So yep. is yep. there a way for people to establish being able to understand and gauge those limits that you mentioned, that de- develop that discretion without having these experiences that you and I have had where, they, where we ran our bodies into the ground? Yeah, yeah. I mean – I think even when I've done, done these sort of outrageous um, exploits because they were there to do, I've known where the limit was. Like I, I uh, screwed my knee up playing ultimate about eight years ago, um, doing exactly what I just described, which is why I don't do it anymore. So I went up against a, a, a large defender. Um, I was I, I had been running all out. I was up in the air, and then he upended me, so that I Superman dove into the ground and drove my kneecap down my shin uh, and tore my patellar tendon. And, you know, the second it was over, I go, God damn it. I, you know, I know that was all me. I shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. That was me not knowing where the line was and having my ego say, I'm going to cross the line. Now I do, um, I do a sort of a, a hack machine at the gym. I put a lot of weight on there. But I know I, I can, I'm listening to my knees the whole time. And I'm going, okay, you know, when I'm getting up to four or 500 pounds on that, on that machine, I'm going, okay, I can't go as deep. Um, I got to, I got to pay attention to the signals. And so maybe, uh, sometimes where I might go down almost to 90 degrees, other times I'll go, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to only go to 120 or something. And, and, uh, and just, um, 
you know, just back off a little bit. I'll still get work done, but I know where the limit is. And that's, I, I feel strongly that that's one of my, one of my strengths is knowing sort of where that line is and, and being able to play right up to it. And then, you know, sometimes, so the injuries aren't, they're not severe. If I do get it, like I had, I've had that same inside elbow tendonitis from doing too much of that. It just, I still, I do other things. I just don't do that for a while until it, until it resolves. Most of these injuries are a result of some biomechanical, like Kelly Sturette would say, oh, we'll, we'll fix that. But here's a couple of torsion exercises or, you know, planting and screwing exercises you can do and, and we'll fix it. Um, I think there's a, probably a biomechanical reason for every injury that you get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kelly, would, Kelly would have us wrapped up like mummies in voodoo floss. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stress management. That's a real tough one for me. I mean, I, I'd say it's, it's, uh, it's lone walks for me. It's, it's, yeah. it's taking lone heights. But I, I don't meditate. Um, I, I probably should. But, yeah, stress management is my Achilles heel. Because uh, I know I need to do better at it, but I've I've not I've not succeeded other than finding these little moments where I can be alone and sort of meditative on a hike or something like that. I typically will do a cold plunge around two o'clock in the afternoon in my pool, keep my pool unheated. So in the wintertime, time down to the mid forties, I just uh, go in and hang out for about a, a minute if I can if I can stand that, and then I come out and air dry. And there's a there's a, a moment. Uh, and I air dry in the sun, so I'm, I'm getting the benefits of the cold plunge, and then I'm warming up gravity, I'm getting the vitamin D from the sun. There's this little moment where it feels like so euphoric, it's what I imagine some of the um, psychedelic drugs might, might be like. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, there's there's probably some uh, increased absorption of that full-spectrum sunlight with the water still on your skin. Yeah. Um, do you do any of the cryotherapy or anything, or the cold showers? Uh, well, the plunge is what I do. I mean, I do a, I do a, and then every night before I go to bed, I do another plunge. So I'll, I like, uh, I go out at about ten thirty. I'll go out into our pool. Um, I'll, we warm the jacuzzi up. So I go into the pool first. My wife doesn't do this, but then she and I will we'll join each other in the jacuzzi and do a, kind of a nice unwind of the day. You know, sort of discuss the what had happened that day for maybe fifteen or twenty minutes, and then I'll do. I'll finish off with a cold to get in the pool, and then. Very cool. Um, is there chlorine in there? No, I salt water pool. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the salt water is kind of cool because um, as a result of the salt water, um, I don't, I, I don't, I wash my hair maybe once every two weeks, but I get it wet twice a day. But I get it wet with salt water, which is kind of therapeutic. So it's kind of, it's really quite cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, the one thing for uh, supplements. So uh, I make a product called the Master Formula. It's a it's a very high potency multivitamin antioxidant product. I'll take that. I take uh, some fish oil capsules um, sporadically. I don't take them every day because I think I have pretty good uh, diet otherwise. And so that's omega three fish oils. Um, and I take a probiotic. And it's a forming uh, soil based organisms. It's a stick pretty cool strains of bacteria that interact with other bacteria in the gut that sort of operates uh, about 100 trillion or so. So those are the maybe the three things I take in, in the way of um, supplements. And then I just created this new bar, art, which is a collagen-based bar. It's, uh, it's out of my company called Primal Kitchen. So it's a dark chocolate almond bar, but it's got 15 grams of, 
of protein coming from uh, from from collagen, from grass-fed beef collagen. I'm a huge fan of collagen for the repair of the connective tissue. So whether it's bone broth or uh, a collagen supplement, you should be taking, particularly if you're getting older and prone to injury, uh, collagen is one of the best things you can take to to repair injury or prevent injury. I think Achilles is probably the one I'm most really and collagen has immensely in, in, in mitigating any, any damage to that. Um, so, so I eat my Primal Kitchen collagen bars every day. You do, you do that every day? Yeah. And, and I've got my, my, the, 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 uh, my partner in that business uh, is, uh, is a young lady named Morgan, and she was telling me the other day, she goes, this is my, oh my God, I, I, I've been so busy. I've been eating three of our bars every day because the they're our favorite bars. They're best-tasting bars. And she said, uh, um, I noticed the skin on the back of my hands is like a baby's butt. I go, big deal. You're 32 years old. She goes, no, you don't get it. I'm a, you know, she's a surfer. She said, I'm out, I'm out in the water um, exposing my, my hands to salt water and sun, you know, multiple times a week for most of my life. I used to look like I had, you know, 80-year-old hands. Now they're fantastic. I, I swear it's from the collagen. So. Oh, that's very cool. That yeah, women women will love that. You're gonna have every yeah. every female listening picking up yeah. some collagen bars, and it's also it's also fantastic for um, muscle firing and nerve nerve connectivity and and all of that. The in the transmission of signals and electricity throughout our body. I think we're just starting to understand that from a from a quantum physics level. Uh, sleep eight hours. I mean, sleep is so uh, underrated for most people. I know there's been some sort of backlash in the science community. Well, maybe eight hours. You know, maybe there are some people who get by at five and a half or six. I'm not buying it. I'm, I, I, I need way <laughs> too You know, I love my sleep. I'm proud of the fact that I get uh, that I get eight hours a night, um, sometimes more, rarely less. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the time when the body rejuvenates. Um I can't say enough about how important sleep is in in maintaining a healthy lifestyle and being productive. I mean, I, I see all these uh, references to the programmers and coders who, who are doing 23 hours and then up on the desk and drinking a pizza, a coke and having a pizza. Um, you know, I can't. You know, there's no there's no metric by which I can measure that as being as productive as they would be if they were just getting adequate rest and then focusing. You know. Yeah, I saw some pretty interesting studies on sleep because when, when I was putting together that section, I realized that there was a lot of days where I was not sleeping as much as I was telling everyone else to sleep. And I was wondering why. And there's there's some research out there talking about that one of the, the biggest things that we lack is an awareness of how our insufficient sleep affects us cognitively. We all think we're performing fine, but unless we're doing diagnostic testing and things like that. What is what is the hour leading up to your, your bedtime look like? What's your ritual? Yeah, so that's so. So we walk. Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. We like our our um, binge watching of certain uh, shows that have, that have, and television has just transformed so much over the last ten years. You know, it used to be the idiot box, and now it's television is better than than movies. You know, and I have a big screen TV with a huge, with an amazing surround sound system. So that's sort of the that's the complete unwind. So my wife and I will will watch a show, and uh, like I said, then we'll then we'll. Then we'll hit the pool and the jacuzzi, and that's an important part of the unwind part of our day. For almost that takes almost you know twenty minutes or half an hour, and um, and then we sleep in a, a room with blackout, uh, with 
we have literally storm shutters because we live in an area where there's uh, the sand and winds hit pretty hard. So storm shutters, which we use as blackout curtains, so we spend a completely blackout curtain. Uh, but I awaken, uh, there's a come from a doorway, so I awaken naturally every morning at 6.30. And I'm, I'm, it's uncanny how, how precise my internal alarm clock is. No matter what time I've gone to bed, I can wake up precisely within a few minutes of when I uh, said I was going to wake up. Um, yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. What's, what's your favorite show? If people were going to watch one show, what would you recommend? Oh, Jesus. I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, and it changes every like, – last night we watched Suits. I love Suits. Uh, uh, I watch all the seasons of Damages. Most, most people don't know about Damages. It was a great show with Glenn Coast. Close. Breaking Bad, look, you got to you gotta give, give uh, props to Breaking Bad. It was an awesome show. Uh, but Mad Men was great. I mean, there's – and all these things, they take like – I mean, Nurse Jackie. Who knew? Nurse, you know, it's, but it's a fabulous show about a, a, a woman – uh, you know, in recovery or with a, with a, with a powerful addiction trying to cope through life. There's so many awesome shows on TV that I, I'm like, well, okay, we won't be laughing. We won't, have, we'll never have caught up, you know, on all the good shows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hydration. You know, uh, I'm not, I, I made a, I made a point of this years ago. I've written about the body's sort of natural thirst mechanism. So I don't need to pee clear all the time. You know, I, I go about my day. I have uh, enough water throughout the day to satisfy my thirst requirements. Um, I don't. I don't carry a gallon jug around with me and make a point to finish it before the end of the day. I don't think that's necessary. I think the human body was, you know, evolved on minimal intake water. Um, but having said that, I mean, if you're a low carb eater and you're or you're ketogenic, you got to watch your hydration. You got to watch your electrolyte intake um, for sure. But I'm just not. I'm just not big on on drinking copious amounts of water because there's in, there's some sort of cleansing aspect to it. I was I was having an interesting conversation with a physician last week, and he said he's like, you know, if you if you ask a veterinarian if they bring in an animal and that animal's peeing clear, they're concerned that something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what a lot of us are striving to yeah. achieve. Yeah. Um, what, what type of water do you drink? Uh, so I don't even like regular water. So I have, um, we drink bottled water. I've got, this is Mountain Valley. Uh, hey, here's my plug for Mountain Valley. It's, I drink, it's sparkling water because I don't even like the taste of. That's the Mountain Valley water. bubbler in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, so it's a sparkling water and that's what I drink it. You know, if I'm at a meal with, with somebody, I'll drink sparkling water. Um, but, you know, it, it, like I say, I don't even feel thirsty for regular water. This sort of quenches my thirst better. I, but I think we have a reverse osmosis system in the house, so if I'm making coffee or tea or whatever that you use water, we'll use that. Nice. And do you do you add trace minerals back into reverse osmosis water, or does your wife? Or I mean, you don't really drink that too much anyway, so it's not. No, and, and the trace mineral. So I get any any of the seventy two trace minerals that people talk about um, are there. Awesome oxygen oxygenation. Well, I think uh, the best thing that people can do for themselves, and I've said it from I said it for 15 years, and I keep saying it, uh, sprint once a week. So that's that all intense, uh, all out burst of sprinting. I mean, I think that 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 one little dose of high intensity activity where you're you're having to completely take in as much oxygen as possible, not only during the event, but uh, but during the recovery. That's when you really start to to reoxygenate. That that forces your body to deep breathe. 
to saturate uh, oxygen throughout, and, um, and and anything short of that isn't tapping into the full potential lungs, uh, doesn't generate the sort of biochemical signals to upregulate red blood cell production, et cetera, et cetera. Um, light, but in the context of someone that's not living in a in a sunny area, what should <laughs> what it, should, so it, winter yeah. time in Chicago? <laughs> yeah, winter time in Chicago is is terrible. I mean, uh, so you got to You got to dose the vitamin D. Yeah, you got to take. You know, I say eight thousand units, four to eight thousand units a day of vitamin D. Imperative, and to the extent that you can get, you know, if you can get access to UVB. Raise whether it's from a light, you know, an artificial light source. I'm, I'm kind of down with that, I guess, if it's a, you know, any port of storm. Um, but you know, one of the dangers of, of working in an office building is that the UVB rays get filtered out. They're the ones you want, and the UVA rays are let in, and they're, they're the ones that cause the most damage. Uh, now, when my wife and I do our evening ritual, we turn off all the lights in the house when we're out in the in the pool, a fire pit. So we'll turn the fire up, and uh, it's a gas fire pit. And uh, so then that'll be sort of what we get our exposure to. So it's, it sort of simulates a hunter-gatherer campfire experience, if you will. And then when we go to bed, it's it's just uh, we fall asleep very easily. Very cool. And, and when you're watching your TV, are you wearing the amber-tinted glasses? I'd say no. No? Say, okay. say no. I, I'm not. <laughs> uh, because I get – because, again, with, with a half hour left to go, if I can get the, if I can get the light from the, the firelight – and the darkness uh, being outside and under the stars, that's enough of a 20 to 30 minute adaptation or a shift for me to, uh, to, to allow me to fall asleep really quick. I, I mean, really quick. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question. Uh, mindset and habits. Uh, mindset and habits. Um, I sort of have an approach to life that, um, that life is, is 90% what happens to you, or excuse me, 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. So if you can develop a mindset that says everything that happens to me is an opportunity uh, that I can look at and and use to my advantage, whether it in the short term is perceived as negative or not, if you can use it as 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 a learning experience and advantage to move on to the next to the next level, um, you, you will be successful. You will be fulfilled. You will have contentment. You will have joy. If you let everything get get to you and and perceive yourself as a victim, then you're never going to access all those qualities. So that's sort of the, you know, as I say to people in business, I said, look, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's not easy, but that, that's not fun and grinding. It's simple. Just look at it as an opportunity. Even if it's a challenge, a challenge is still an opportunity to, to uh, improve, to succeed, and to enjoy. When you have people that, that know that they should be doing, that living a healthier lifestyle, changing their nutrition, their movement patterns, but there's that resistance what mindset change precedes the phase shift where you see everything open up for them? Is there something? No. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, for most people who come to Mars Daily Apple, they're at their wits' end. Most people who come to, to my site have, have tried a lot of things because they're hurting. They're either um, overweight and they're miserable or they're uh, in pain and miserable, and the things that they've tried haven't worked. You know, I see people at the airport who are 350 pounds or 400 pounds, and i got to, like, go, you know what? Um, I'm not going to say anything. I could in the old days. I might, um, I might have handed them a card or something. But now it's just you got you. People have to be in a position where they are ready, willing, and able to want to change and want to embrace new information. 
So that's really the main the main mindset that people have to have. And unfortunately, it often comes from a from a, a position of pain or um, discomfort or depression, and they're sick of it, and they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and that's what it takes. Uh, but you know, it's, it's like you go up to an otherwise fairly healthy vegetarian and say, "Dude, I can, you know I can help you if you eat more meat." It's just there's not there's not going to be any traction there at all. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, this has been fantastic. I've learned a lot, and uh, I've had a really good time. I, I I can't wait to go order some of your collagen bars <laughs> and give those a try. For people that uh, for people that want to learn more about you, what books you're putting out, what you're working on, what uh, where can they check that out? Yeah, so MarkStaleyApple.com is the is the blog. Um, been writing there for ten years, four thousand blog posts and counting. The uh, the book, the new book is Primal Endurance, of course, on Amazon and fine bookstores everywhere. And uh, the bars, uh, Primal Kitchen Collagen Bars, are at uh, primalblueprint.com, which is my e-commerce site. So at primalblueprint.com, we have the most amazing, we've invented some mayonnaise. It's, it's blowing up all over the country now. It's, it's crazy. So it's the world's healthiest mayonnaise, which is sort of the holy grail to the, uh, to the, to the paleo community. Uh, so lots of good things, and you can get the damage control master formula there as well. So primalblueprint.com is the e-com site. And so if someone was going to pick up three things on your on the primalblueprint.com, well, you just mentioned three, but is that the three that they should get? Yeah, yeah. get the mayonnaise for sure, get the bars for sure, and and start out with um, uh, maybe uh, you know the the um, fish oil, the, the or no the probiotics. Get the primal probiotics. So the probiotics, the mayonnaise. And uh, see, you're making me choose among my children here. <laughs> no, Mark's no. choice, you know, not Sophie's choice, Mark's choice. Right, Those right. Three. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Mark, I've had a great time. I really appreciate you taking the time. I want to be respectful of it. And um, hopefully, if, if, if everyone's loving this, maybe we can do a, a part two in the future. Sounds good to me. Thank <laughs> you. Right. Thank you, brother. Take care, Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by PrimalBlueprint.com, which I have shopped at for years. I love a number of their products, and I have two to recommend right off the bat. Number one is perhaps the condiment I recommend most often to new clients, and that is their Primal Kitchen Mayo. It's made with avocado oil and cage-free organic eggs. Best of all, it's free from soy and canola oil, which are usually genetically modified and sprayed with nasty herbicides like glyphosate. It's one of the few things I used to really miss when keeping my nutrition dialed in, and now I don't have to anymore. It's amazing. You will thank me. Primal Kitchen Mayo. The second is their dark chocolate almond bars made with grass-fed collagen, Turkish almonds, and pumpkin seeds. These are delicious and addicting. I'm a closet fat kid, so I usually buy them when I'm in a position to consume the entire 12-bar box in a matter of days, which is usually how things unfold. The collagen in these bars has been shown to reduce joint pain, improve sleep quality, support skin, hair, and nail growth, and enhance digestion. Many female clients report a more youthful appearance and fewer wrinkles. I love them, and I think you will too. So all you need to do to give them a try is go to primalblueprint.com. That's P-R-I-M-A-L-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T.com, and you can choose one of those two products, Primal Kitchen Mayo, dark chocolate almond bars, or more than a dozen other products, and Biohacking Secrets approved books, products, and recipes. It's that easy. Go to primalblueprint.com and grab some delicious, healthy food. 
Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Millennial Health Systems. Millennial Health Systems engineers innovative and practical light hacking tools for enhancing energy, detoxification, boosting immune function, improving focus, accelerating recovery, and much, much more. They are the brains behind two of my favorite light biohacks, and I've been using them for a long time now myself and with my one-on-one clients, the Theralumin and the Spectrumite. The Spectrumite utilizes frequency and color combinations delivered through 40 high-powered LEDs to increase mitochondrial function, the energy powerhouses in our cells that produce ATP, boost nitric oxide production, and encourage a state of relaxed focus. It's based on NASA research, which found this type of low-level laser therapy abbreviated LLLT, greatly enhanced the natural wound healing process and more quickly returned patients to a pre-injury and pre-illness level of activity. It's a one-stop shop for all of your light hacking needs. I use both the Spectrumite and the Theralumin every week and consider the Theralumin a cornerstone of the programs I put together to help some of my clients recover from chronic fatigue and other conditions with infectious causation like Lyme disease. The Spectrumite is controlled via Wi-Fi using a smartphone application that's intuitive and easy to use. And the Theralumin has literally two buttons, on and off. It's very simple. You can check out both products at MillennialHealthSystems.com. That's MillennialHealthSystems.com. Two L's and two N's in Millennial. And right now, my listeners, you guys, will get $100 off the Theralumin and $50 off the Spectrumite. Just mention the special code BIOHACKS, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, to get that discount. This episode is brought to you by the Kangen SD501 Platinum Water Machine. The Kangen water machine produces ionized, alkaline, and acidic waters through a process called electrolysis. And these waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, cleaning, and improving your health and optimizing your energy and focus. Kangen machines are utilized by everyone from Bill Gates to Barack Obama, Demi Moore, Brad Pitt, Beyonce, Tiger Woods, Oprah Winfrey, Angelina Jolie, Julia Roberts, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lopez, Donald Trump, Madonna, Jack Nicholson, Robert Downey Jr. The list goes on and on. And it's one of the secrets to many people's success and energy and overcoming some of the chronic degenerative conditions we face today. I've heard stories of people getting off of dozens of prescription medications simply by drinking this Kangen alkaline water. And the results that I've experienced from my Kangen SD501 Platinum have been profound. We all know that we're supposed to drink more water, right? But the problem is that most of the time when people start to implement that advice, they're drinking the wrong types of water. And this can actually do more harm than good. For example, over 315 different chemicals have been identified in American tap water. And if you're taking the next step and you're trying to perhaps make a wiser decision by drinking bottled water instead, well... The minimum required standard for bottled water is that it just has to be as good as tap water. So you may still be exposed to all of those same chemicals, not to mention the fact that bottled water is photodegradable, meaning if it comes in these plastic water bottles and is exposed to sunlight, which is almost an inevitability, that plastic is going to start breaking down. And even if it's BPA-free plastic, you're still going to be exposed to a number of different plastic-based chemicals that provide unwanted health consequences. 
So it's very important to intelligently choose the source of our water, and that's one of the reasons that I use the Kangen SD501 Platinum. In a recent interview, Barack Obama's cardiologist, Gerald Bresnahan, who was also cardiologist to President Reagan, Clinton, Bush, the Queen of England, and the Pope, said the following, quote, we have understood the importance of alkalizing diets for decades, but we've been unsuccessful in getting our patients to eat a perfectly alkaline diet because we cannot eat enough alkaline foods to keep our body alkaline. To have something that changes the pH of the body from acid to alkaline based on something we are already doing, that is drinking water, we can get people alkaline very easily. Hundreds of thousands of our patients have seen remarkable results from drinking Kangen medical-grade drinking water. We are doing our part to bring this technology to the medical community in the United States because Kangen water is already a medical device in Japan. This is going to be a great thing for everyone and will change the lives of millions of people. And once again, that's Dr. Gerald Bresnahan, cardiologist to the presidents. When my clients come in for weekend intensives, I help them hyperhydrate using Kangen 9.5 pH water, and many of them feel an a benefit almost immediately. It is a bit pricey, but I promise you there is no better investment you can make in your health than ensuring the quality of water you drink is of the highest standard and is effectively going to be able to transport across cellular membranes. So if you're interested in checking out and learning more about the Kangen water machine, I encourage you to go to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash Kangen. That's biohackingsecrets.com forward slash K-A-N-G-E-N to learn more about SD501 Platinum and the benefits it can provide to you and your family.